Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today live with Ryan Walker from Differential. Thanks for joining us today, Ryan. Oh, glad to be here. In future weeks, uh, next week we have one of the leadership shows uh, coming up on Thursday, the 12th of September. And then we have Frank Wood, a Ph.D. therapist, psychologist, and he's going to be talking about his program for stress management in business. Client of Differential. Is Frank a client yeah, of Differential? Absolutely. You wrote his software? Yeah. No. Yeah. We're helping him. Good. Good. It's a good guy. Sorry, go on. And then on the 19th, we're going to have Christina Ogletree from PBM Plus. They are a prescription med business, mail order med for companies as an alternate benefit. Then we're going to have Mark Handelman from Cameo Solutions. And we've got a whole bunch of good guests further on. Let's see, special events in, in the Sandler Rotary calendar coming up. Well, next week, September 11th, starts the Sandler Foundations program. That's eight weeks on Wednesday mornings. There are a couple of seats available for people who want the basic Sandler selling system. And also on the 11th, in the afternoon, from 3 to 6, we have the Sandler Management Solutions program, where we're going to be talking about onboarding, training, and strategic account management. September's a heavy month. We have... The one-day cold call camp for those people who make cold calls, Wednesday, September 25th. Let's see. September 19th, Thursday, 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m., the TIP Club meets. Uh, we are the Cincinnati sponsor for the only TIP Club meeting. We meet once a month. Great group of people, and we're going to listen to Jimmy Fox a little bit later talk about TIP Club. And then the... The last special event I'll talk about is a program coming up on Wednesday, October 16th, over at the Clovernook Country Club. This is part of our Business Builders Series. It will cost $25 per person to attend, and the number of seats is quite limited. The program of the day on the 16th of October will be Seven Deadly Sins of Sales. That program will run from 11.30 to about 1.15. Okay, all the com commercials are over for the, this part of the show, Ryan. Right. Now, now I'll tell everyone a little bit about you. I guess, going back, what, what year do you think it was that we first met? Uh, it was the 90s, I would say. Okay, you you, you owned uh, a company called Shark Bites at the time. Yes. Yep. Okay, you were an entrepreneur and developer. Yeah. Your resume says you've created more than a dozen companies and products. A dozen yeah. companies? Companies, sure, and products that counts. Together. Okay, good. <laughs> Ryan uh, lives in Anderson with his wife and three children. Is it your oldest son? Just had a venture 
funded? Yeah, my son Emerson, he just turned 15, sophomore at Turpin High School, uh, participated in Startup Weekend this summer and won that and then launched a Kickstarter and funded it too. So, yeah, it's really fun. Good. And you're, you're the co-founder and a partner in a company called Differential. Yes. Where you're dedicated to empowering ideas and entrepreneurs. Mm. You're a founder of a company called Open Hack Cincinnati. What was that? Well, it's not a company. That's a meetup. A meetup. Yeah, that's a meetup where programmers from different programming backgrounds can all get together and meet each other. Normally, programmers stick to their own kind. You mm-hmm. know, so this mm-hmm. is a, a mixing pot of that. Okay. And organizer of Cincinnati Lean Startup Circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sharkbox was back in 1995. Yeah. Grew it to 35 people by 99 when you sold it. You served in a senior leadership role in the Divine Group, which Mm -hmm. is the same company that Sandler uses as a profiling company. Yeah, I was around when that came on board. Yeah, that was that was a big surprise for me to see you there. (laughs) Yeah. And then I don't know what took us so long to get you on this show. Yeah. You you worked at Recruit Military. Mm -hmm. You were their technology officer. Yep. Good and. You were mentor at First Cincinnati Startup Weekend in the summer of 92, worked with the Northern Kentucky Chamber, co-founded something called the Cincinnati Ruby Brigade. Yeah, that's a programming language. Yeah, so that's another meetup. Ruby? Ruby. Ruby is a programming language. Okay. <laughs> sounds nice, doesn't it? Well, it sounds better than COBOL. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you won Cincy Tech's. Since the hackathon in 2011, what is a hackathon? Uh, hackathon is where we stay up all night working on a program against other programmers and see who does the best job. Oh, <laughs> okay. Everyone's got the same problem and the first guy finished wins? Nah, we all worked on different projects. So he was an arbitrary judge at the end, but I think I won like 500 bucks for that. So that was pretty cool. That's cool for staying up all night. Yeah. Yeah. Grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Went to the University of Cincinnati. Yep. You're a member of American Mensa. Oh, yeah. That, that means you're one of the smart guys. Mm-hmm. I have to be careful about what I ask you. <laughs> and if someone wants to get a hold of you after the show, how do they do that? By email. Yeah, you could email me at rye at ryewalker.com. It's easiest. Okay. Or your Twitter address is? Rywalker. Hey, quite common, just like yeah. on Mike Roth. On That's what, yeah, and people ask me, why am I not going by Ryan Walker? Part of it's the, you know, the, those domains were available. Ryan Walker <laughs> wasn't, so. Okay. <laughs> we just went through that with uh, with Carmen here in the office. We got a call uh, about an event she was running in, in Columbus, Ohio, uh, where where the Columbus Rotary meets. Hmm. And she knows nothing about it. Someone else in, in Columbus named Carmen Galloway. Oh, wow. Let's see, you're involved with a couple of professional philosophies. Agile. A lot of people don't understand the word agile as it relates to the software industry. Perhaps you could share that with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Agile came about in the early 2000s. Before that, it was called extreme programming. But basically, it just means when you're building software to iterate rather than try to design it all up front and have it all be developed and then finally throwing that out to the customers after it's all done. Instead, we try to build things very iteratively, get working software out to the customers in days or weeks, not months or years. So it's pretty common now, especially in startup world or small businesses, but still a lot of companies are are doing things what we consider a the waterfall method is the competitive methodology. Waterfall just basically means you complete one whole section of work, design or development, before you even touch the next phase. 
that works okay if you know exactly what you want to build, but in the world of startups, you don't know what you need to build, so it's much more valuable to iterate, get feedback from customer along the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you've been attempting to implement a blue ocean strategy. Some mm-hmm. people, many many people probably have never heard of, of the blue ocean strategy. Perhaps you could yeah. share that with us. Yeah, Blue Ocean Strategy is literally one of my favorite business books. And the, the concept there is that most uh, companies will pursue what the book calls a red ocean strategy, meaning it competes feature for feature with um, the existing company, where Blue Ocean basically says to you, you, you intentionally and strategically underdo your competition in some area. So it could be that an innovative business model might include underdoing them in customer service and that which sounds like completely crazy right but then you know you have a cost differential with them and if and if customer service can be dealt with let's say by the community you know you have a competitive advantage by not doing some part of it um so yeah blue ocean strategy just encourages people to pursue a model that isn't direct competitor you know do some things well do other things like skimp on other things in effect. Sure, kind of, maybe that was kind of like the Apple iPhone when it first came out. Mm. Instead of going with a carrier where you could actually hear people <laughs> on the phone, they went with AT and T. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when when the iPhone came out, it it was better in a lot of ways, and it was, but it was different, obviously, in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. Uh, no cutting and pasting, for example, was something they left out, not intentionally, but you know, yes. So yeah, big big fan of Blue Ocean and. Uh, Definitely encourage people who are thinking about starting a product to read through that. And we have we have a copy of that over in our training room. It's one of our recommended reads. Yeah, profitability is one of your. <laughs> yes. Okay. In the world of startup, success can be measured by how much money you've raised, and we don't believe. You know, I've never really been involved in a business that raised a lot of money and spent it all, burned that capital. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the world of startups. That seems to be an okay way to operate by some people's judgment. So, yeah, I one of my philosophies is yeah, I really don't want to be involved in a in a company that's just burning cash. Uh, it really makes it, it's it's a, kind of like an abomination of a business model that that's even allowed to happen. Right. Now, I I first got involved with startups with a fellow named Bill von Meister, and that was probably in the seventies. And Bill started about five companies. I followed him into into four of them. Hmm. We made money in every business that we yeah. started. And part of his business model was to build it so someone else would, bigger than us would buy us out. Yeah. Yeah, and and the, the sad thing is today that sometimes businesses can be bought that are truly just, they have never made revenue. You know, Instagram, I think, might be one of those that was bought for a billion dollars and never made a dime of revenue. Maybe they did, but it wasn't significant. That's those are the those are those are kind of like the negative incentives I think that some uh, well the po- entrepreneurs will pursue that model thinking that they can do that too and I think that's kind of a false um, target. Mm-hmm. You kind of believe in future friendly businesses and devices. You, you tr- attempt to build uh, companies that have universal content that can flow into a liquid container <laughs> that are co- incorporated into responsive layouts. Uh, that's getting into web design. That's probably kind of technical, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, well, the, the uh, I think a lot of people build um, websites that are trendy for the moment, but that there's um, ways to do it that the site will last a lot longer. So, mm-hmm. like you had a website that I made for you for a long time. 
Yes, we did. <laughs> With the black, everyone else had color pictures, and my picture on it was black and white. Yeah, I have black and white pictures on on Differential's website too. It's classy. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I will tell you that uh, during the years I used that site, we did use it for many years. We had more leads per month hmm. than we're getting from the Sandler required website. Really? which I'm exceptionally upset about. <laughs> oh, too bad. <laughs> yeah. They're changing it this year. Their site is not uh, Google-friendly. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's not good. No, it's terrible, <laughs> considering I just paid the bill for it yesterday. <laughs> that's like a half a million dollar mistake uh, by saying look corporate. Wow. Hey, we're, we're a training organization. That's what are we right. supposed to know about the web? Yeah, I don't think they could have possibly adopted your model. It was kind of an off-the-wall idea. Uh, it was basically trying to in, in, incorporate the Sandler methodology into a website. I actually, I never really heard how that went for you. Like, it really that, worked. Yeah, it really worked. If, you know, if we, if we had two people a month that yeah. went all the way through it and registered, one of those two people became clients. Yeah, that's good. So there was a payback. Hmm. I think I think the website is either a, a large brochure mm-hmm. or a prospecting magnet. Yeah. And prospecting magnet is uh, was and still is more important to me. Uh, Ryan, let's take a uh, a short break. You have a, you are agreeable to take callers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So if anyone wants to ask Ryan a question about software, about how his company works, uh, our phone number here is six four six five nine five four nine one six. We can only take the calls during the commercial breaks. We're going to uh, listen to Jimmy Fox. Talk about Tip Club, and the meeting is going to be Thursday, September 19th, 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. here at our training center. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Ryan Walker from Differential. Uh, Ryan, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, your company, Differential? Sure. 
Yeah, it's uh, we we started the company in February, so it's definitely a work in progress. We're definitely a startup, just like the companies we help. But um, the main point of it is to uh, stimulate the startup ecosystem in Cincinnati. We saw Centrifuge um, launch last year and wanted to be involved in what was going on here. Uh, I was involved in the startups the scene a little bit back in the late 90s and early 2000s, the Main Street uh, thing that happened before the dot-com bubble burst. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was sad to see that happen. Uh, that we didn't really get off get Cincinnati on the map really during that era very well. But I think this time we have a lot of momentum. We have a lot of good people behind it. And um, so what we're, we're trying to do is help startups that need um, – Say a technical co-founder, um, <clears throat> or it, it could be really any any aspect of of doing the startup assistance in that area where they have an incomplete team. Uh, our our goal is to fill in the rest of the team during the earliest stages um, so that they can test out the idea um, without um, uh, quickly. Speed speed's kind of important. So if you're thinking about a, a business idea and it takes you nine months to get a very small test done. It's agonizing uh, versus if you can get that several tests done in a, in a month or two, it's much more invigorating for everybody. So our, our idea is to basically validate or invalidate ideas as quickly as we can. And we do that uh, both for cash, you know, like as a service company, and we also take equity in uh, certain startups that we think are high potential and we reduce our rate significantly. Oh, so you can work on a cash basis on uh, the way I would hire a programming company. Uh, yeah. Yep. Or be you 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 uh work for a percentage of the company that you're developing for? Yeah. And usually it's a blend. Uh someday we want to have enough of a of a bank account that we can work for pure equity, but in the short term it's typically a either either you know for fees or for a mixture of fees and equity. Um and it's working really well. We have uh we're as busy as we can be. How many people do you have in the company differential? Yeah, we just grew from uh, five to seven this month. So uh, we have potential to grow really. Uh, there's as much opportunity as, I mean, we have a lot of inbound opportunity. We don't. We haven't made a single cold call. We haven't had to make a single outbound uh, sales uh, effort. Don't come to the cold call camp. <laughs> yeah, that won't be on September that. 25th. Yeah, yeah. So that's, it's a, that's a nice luxury. Uh, it's very fertile, though, right now. The startup system ecosystem has a lot of people that want to do things and, and the, uh, the capacity to do uh, to build software is um, not quite where it will be, I hope, eventually. So we're filling a gap. So how many projects or companies have you, you worked on since you started the company in February? Uh, I would say probably 10 different companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any Anything significant? I think so. Like There's a company called Cladwell, which is our... Uh, the first equity deal we did. Uh, Cladwell is a a company that helps um, guys avoid having to go to the mall to find clothes. So, like right now, I don't buy any clothes of my own. Uh, my wife and mom, frankly, buy all my clothes. Uh, but uh, what they've built is a, a system that good thing it's radio. Yeah, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they built a system there that uh, helps. You know, you basically take a survey. Uh, you understand the guy's fashion profile. And you say like I want jeans in the range of fifty to one hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and they actually have a stylist. We're actually building software that'll automate a lot of this, but um, there's software that'll basically, based on all those rules, say 
here are three different pairs of jeans that would be good for you, and you can just go buy them online. So it avoids uh, you having to think at all about what brands should I buy or any of those kind of things. So does this Gladwell take you to the three jeans, and you can order it through Gladwell? Yeah, yeah, that's the model. And so right now that's a subscription service. It costs like 7 bucks a month to get up to six recommendations, but we think over time that subscription will be taken away. The problem we have right now is we've only automated jeans. That's one of the 29 categories of clothing that a guy can order. So if I wanted a two-piece suit? We have to actually physically sit down and look through catalogs and help you figure that out. But they, but we're doing that. We've recommended, we've done more than 2,000 recommendations. So so that's a company that Differential helped. We we built that from, from absolute no software to their first cash orders in 10 weeks. And mm-hmm. so that's that's the kind of success story. You know, we, we helped them get up, up to speed super fast. Um, we have a little bit of equity in that company. And now they're flying solo. And so that, that's, I think, about as perfect of a case study as I can come up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they build that company to be sold to someone like Tom James? Yeah, I think they would, if Tom James came calling, they would they would do it. Uh, but no, they're, I think they're going to try to build it for a while. Uh, they're in the process of raising their um, uh, first round of real financing. So if you're looking to make an investment... Uh, Pretty cool company, <laughs> or if any of the listeners. I think we have to be really careful <laughs> yeah, I know. about crowdsource type funding. Yeah, I know. Well, for now. For now. It's almost almost ready. Yeah. Well, there are no rules. It's yeah. a problem. Mm-hmm. What, what seems okay today may not be okay tomorrow. Witness the uh, the last case in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um. How do you uh, at differential? You said you you don't have to make cold calls. Uh, how are you finding people? Clients. Yeah, that's a great question. We we are our business is actually located at Centrifuge. So I don't know if you know much about that, or if your listeners have heard of Centrifuge, but it's a kind of a confusing um, organization to the people that aren't down there every day. But um, in a nutshell, um, the largest companies in Cincinnati decided that they want to operate their businesses in a in a uh, an environment that is has a lot of innovation, right? Mm-hmm. So they see having a healthy startup ecosystem as part of that. So they, so far, they've put together 50 million bucks, um, gave it to a guy named Tim Shiggle, who's uh, the founder of a company called Share This Cincinnati startup, and uh, they're basically putting that money out uh, to VCs around the United States so that the venture capitalists will uh, consider investments in Cincinnati startups. So that's a great commitment from. Um, uh, like I said, the, the the large businesses, like you know, uh, in organizations, uh, UCs in there, Macy's, um, Western. Let's say fifty million dollars is a significant yeah. chunk of change. Yeah. Let me ask you. Uh, and well, I know you don't represent Centrifuge. Yeah. But why wouldn't it make sense for Centrifuge themselves to say, take some of this fifty million dollars and say, hey, that is a, a great yeah. idea. That's a great question, and, and a lot of people ask that. I, I thought that too in the beginning, but I understand now. Uh, we so like I was saying, we our offices. Um, I sit, I sit, you know, forty feet away from the CEO of Centrifuge. So I see if they had money to give out, they would be deluged by people looking with their hands out. So it's it's almost a wise move for them to say, uh, you can't get the money from us. You got to go talk to these other people out in, that aren't going to be. Uh, that are going to basically compare you against uh, other startups around the country. You got to get it from them. So uh, they've basically created a, a system where you have to be worthy of it, not just worthy Cincinnati worthy, but like you know U.S. worthy of getting an investment. 
So I actually think that's a wise move. Uh, Cincinnati startups have to work harder to make to get that money, but uh, they are getting commitment from those VCs that they will, in fact, look at you know take a really hard look at the companies. In Cincinnati. Mm, that was always my experience. The VCs in LA or San Francisco uh, would take hard looks at companies that were based there. They would they would have uh, both uh, business time exposure and non-business time exposure to these companies, mm-hmm. and so I would always recommend to that. An entrepreneurial company that, if you want to looking for venture capital, not vulture capital, venture capital, uh, to go visit with the entrepreneurs in San Jose or uh, Seattle, uh, where there is a large community of interest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, like I said, it just raises the bar for everybody. The other thing Centrifuge is doing is they're providing co-working space at a really good price, um, which we're taking advantage of. And they're also hosting a lot of community events in the startup ecosystem. So they're they we're, we're literally working out of PNG space. So it's really nice, uh, comfortable office uh, facilities. Didn't I read that they're they're moving into over the Rhine into a dilapidated building that's being refurbished? <laughs> yeah, it's currently dilapidated, but it, when they're done, it's going to be a, uh, quite a sight. So uh, yeah, they're, they'll be there uh, next fall. Um, so that kind of gives us a timeline where we need to find our new place. 2014? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, plenty of time to do a reverb there. Absolutely, yep. Good. But well, you were asking me, Mike, you said, uh, you know, how do we get leads? Let me remind people that they can call in and ask you questions. Oh, okay, go ahead. Uh, the number again is 646-595-4916. And we can screen the calls during the next commercial break. Mm-hmm. You were going to say, Ryan. Yeah, I was saying that. So because of where we're physically located, we have a lot of visibility on differential. Uh, so strategically, that's why we chose to have our offices be in Centrifuge. Uh, but we literally get a, a company a day, uh, I would say on average, looking for help. So um, it, it's just a, a visibility thing. So I, that's part of the, I guess, the the old thing, location, location, location. We chose a great location for differential. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with some of the other business incubators here in the state of Ohio? Oh yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Have you ever spent any time over at uh, uh, Tech Columbus? Yes, we visited Tech Columbus. What do you think of that one? I like their space. Uh, you know, I think that they are that their space is probably similar to what Centrifuge's space will be like. Uh, well, in, in terms of um, not being P and G space. <laughs> well, uh, Tech Columbus is in a rather magnificent uh, converted parking garage or warehouse with. Unbelievable amount of space. Well, yeah, I guess I only saw. I, I, we, we only, we didn't travel. We didn't visit the entire space. Okay. So yeah, maybe it is a lot bigger. But uh, you know, Centrifuge's building is actually it's it's three buildings down there fused together. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be it'll be pretty spacious. I don't remember maybe twenty thousand square feet. Tech Columbus might be way more than that. But um, yeah, Tech Columbus has uh, a main auditorium that's probably five thousand square feet yeah. all by itself. Yeah, uh, and they have uh, internet or technology startups. They have uh, green energy startups mm-hmm. and biotech. Yeah, so I've seen that. I've seen you know, uh, Youngstown. Actually, I'm from Youngstown. Youngstown has a really cool tech scene going on. They basically are taking back over downtown. Uh, it's called the Youngstown Business Incubator. Really cool. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of good stuff going on in Ohio and everywhere uh, related to startups. Good. Again, Ryan has agreed to take calls. You can call in on 646-595-4916. And let's listen to a uh, couple of Sandler commercials. Imagine you just left your prospect's office 
and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced stainless sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leaders. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Ryan Walker. Ryan, we have a theory of operation here of business at Sandler that complex problems can only be solved with complex solutions. If you, attr- if you attempt a simple solution to a complex problem, invariably that leads to failure. So perhaps you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you've run into in your business career mm-hmm. and the equally complex solution that you had to devise to solve it that might be applicable for someone else in a different business. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, well, it, the first thing that comes to mind there would be uh, Recruit Military. Uh, when I joined Recruit Military, um, we basically had a job search engine that was, um, it took 15 seconds for it to return results, which I don't think that was ever okay in the Internet. But certainly in 2008, it was no longer okay for that speed to be so slow. Um, and it was it was integrated. You'll, you'll probably appreciate this. Uh, you've, you've seen... Um, uh, CRMs before. Sure, lots of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they did a homegrown CRM that was integrated with the job board software. Oh, by by itself, that's a viable and commendable idea. Yeah, well, and then they also threw into that, they, they uh, Recruit Military runs events across the country, so there was an event management system also thrown into this software. Mm-hmm. And it was written by a single developer that was self-taught during this process. Whoops. <laughs> self yeah, and probably ex-military. You're right. Yeah, he was. Okay, yeah. so that doesn't uh, bode well. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons why it took so long for the database to return data back to the users. So the challenge we had is um, how do we fix all that stuff? You know, how do we get them? Uh, well, in the CRM was underfeatured, as you can imagine. Like there was no opportunity tracker. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I'm a huge fan of opportunity tracking for a sales force. And they had a 20-odd-person 20, 20 sales force with no 
opportunity tracking at all, you know, so right off the bat. So big deals get lost. Big deals definitely got lost. Um, they had a really, and it was, there was all kinds of work around. So that the way they kind of documented deals was by doing an invoice, but that wasn't shared with the customer. I mean, it was just a real hack, you know, that on how they were getting along with this. So we immediately said, you know, I, I need, you, you can't continue to use this CRM. You know, it's like we got to figure this out. But the problem we had was everything was so tied together, and it was it was like a big string of, uh, you know, big ball of string uh, with lots of knots in it. And we had to pull that apart, those three different systems apart, and, and fix one of them at a time. So, yeah, that was the problem. Sound good? <laughs> so, so what what does the solution actually uh, look like? Yeah, or sound like? Yeah. Well, it it took us four years. Um, we, first thing we did was uh, we rebuilt the job board, and so we literally just started from scratch, um, and we actually built an integration between the databases so that. Um, you know, people who registered on the new system got their data got pushed into the old system, and there was a time when people had to go into two systems at the same time. Uh, but eventually, we got the old job board killed, and we were able to just like kill off that part of the code. So now the ball of tangled ball of uh, yarn was two thirds the size as it previously was. And literally, we keep we we did that piece by piece by piece. And you know, there were subsystems within these systems, but four years it took before we finally got to shut down those old servers. Um, so you shut down the old servers, same problem. Uh, recruiter was talking to a candidate. How long did it take to come up with potential jobs uh, when they did a search? Oh, yeah, like a quarter of a second. Yeah, it was extremely fast. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we optimized it for speed, and it was also doing modern search things like giving faceted results. I don't know if you've, you know much about so, search technology, but... Some, some of our <laughs> listeners will be... <laughs> Discover that's a buzzword. That yeah. faceted means how many sides does a diamond have? <laughs> now, faceted in the search world means, uh, let's say you search for a job in sales, and it would show you we have uh, sales in Ohio, and on the left side it will show you there's six in Akron, there's seven in Cincinnati. So while it's not only just giving you those the results, it's also giving you additional filters that you can click, 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 click. And most e-commerce sites you're used to this now. Amazon will do that, you know. Um, but Back when we did that, uh, not to you know, some the, the big job search engines had that, but but small ones didn't. So we we really brought them up into the big leagues there. Um, yeah, so that like I said, took four years. Uh, now they're on Salesforce.com. You know they have uh, uh, you know great software all around. And basically, I got to the point where they had great software, and that's when I left because problem was solved. Job done. Yes. Okay. Now, in, in terms of uh, differential, uh, why do you think people do business with you guys? Uh, well, let's see. I'd say they do business with us because we've actually pulled together a really strong team. Uh, if you were, if you were to were to ask uh, a year ago before we started the company, uh, name you know name ten or twenty people in the startup ecosystem that are quality people, I think uh, a good number of our team members would be on that list. Mm -hmm. So Tim Metzner is uh, the first guy that I connected with, and he was he was running all the startup weekends, which are just awesome events. Uh, by the way, if anyone's uh, interested in starting a company of their own, check out the next startup weekend. It's a uh, when is that coming up? I don't think it's scheduled yet, but if you go to Cincinnati Startup Weekend dot I think dot org. Um, and what happens at a startup weekend? Yeah, so the startup weekend uh, on Friday night, everybody pitches their ideas. Uh, 
maybe eight of them get selected as the top ideas. You know, you basically people put their little dots on the ideas they like. The top eight win. Um, teams form around those ideas, and you spend the next 48 hours making as much progress as you can on the business. And then on Sunday, you present, uh, and best ideas get rewards. And uh, yeah, so first, second, third kind of get um, get rewards for their performance and but everybody 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 learns a ton you know it's just a great it's it's basically everything you can think about starting a business crunched down into a micro you know just a few days so how many people participate typically about 100 okay so you need a pretty big facility yeah yeah we've done it at nku the first one was at nku we've done it um recently up at a voice of america center like a miami university thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah uh as far as differential is concerned, uh, what's your unique marketing advantage? Uh, we are, let's see, unique marketing advantage. Um, I think the fact that we, we're the only ones in Cincinnati that are positioning ourselves as a, a venture studio. Um, there are companies that will do what we do. Um, it's part of what they, you know, like you might go to a web development company and your idea is so great that they say, oh, we'd love to have some equity in this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that's the exception to their rule, though. Uh, our our standard operating procedure is to to go very deep uh, with our customers in all aspects of their startup, and we're the only ones that'll like get messy. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any particular companies that you'd like to talk about that you work with or couldn't work with? Mm. Couldn't work with? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, for various reasons. Now, by the way, like differential, um, we have a we're sort of have a communist organization uh, structure in, in the sense that there is no CEO, there is no president. We're all partners, and we literally have a veto uh, type system to say if if any one of us don't like the idea of, give, of taking equity in one of the companies, we don't do it. So it has to be unanimous. Uh, so we do have to tell. Certain companies uh, were not interested in investing in you. Basically, it's literally uh, the act of us taking equity instead of cash is the exact same thing as us investing our own money in the in a startup. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So there's there's definitely um, you know, for various reasons it could be the founder isn't the right person. Uh, it could be that the idea doesn't seem very doable. You know, maybe it's too big. Uh, a lot of times startups will come at us with uh, just a crazy. Uh, <laughs> crazily ambitious plan and they're not the right people to pull that off. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what do you think the uh, the market outlook uh, looks like for you? The opportunities and possibilities. Yeah. I, I, the way I, I'm, I'm basically thinking that uh, is, as long as Centrifuge is operating and they're, you know, they're just getting started um, that we have a, a rich environment in Cincinnati for the startup, uh, the startup ecosystem. So, uh, they've raised 50 million bucks. They want to raise 100 million. They're working on that. Um, from that, that money will get invested over a few, you know, two or three years. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, even if things turn sour uh, sometime soon, uh, you know, we still have a, a runway of several years that, uh, that things should be uh, interesting for startups. And there's no reason to think that things are going to go bad right now. We don't have any bubble like we did uh, in the in the old dot com era right now. That's threatening to blow everything up so you see any obstacles to growth in your path no not uh i mean the 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 one obstacle would be if we uh start failing to deliver on our commitments you know um 
that that's what we're trying to do isn't isn't simple. It's pretty hard hard work. Um, but you know we don't go in c- committing that uh, we will help you build a successful startup. You know we're actually saying we'll help you validate or invalidate it. So uh, it's important to figure out if you have a bad idea or if it's wrong in some ways to find that out as early as we can. So that's our promise is we'll help you. We'll help you. Uh, and almost every idea is is wrong in some way at first. So we're just going to help accelerate you learning what's wrong. You might end up in a dead end in a startup, and, and in that case, oh, well, many do. Yeah, many do. So, uh, yeah, we're not promising success. You know, that'd be that would be over committing. But we we just promise we're going to help you get there fast. Okay, that's good. Uh, at Differential yourselves, do you guys have a long term planning process? Long term, <laughs> long term strategic plan. What? What's the meaning of long term at differential? Yeah, I feel we have the opposite of that. Yeah, we, we, long term means tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we're honestly in the way our our work works. Uh, the way our business works is uh, we probably have about you know eight to twelve weeks of visibility into what our revenue is going to be. Beyond that, we have no idea. So it's a uh, it's that's a little bit stressful. Uh, we, we're we are working on some internal product ideas and. Um, I, you know, we don't know for sure the exact model that'll work for us. We have opportunities now to rehab some existing startups that, you know, maybe got off to a good start, faltered a bit, and now those founders are asking for help from us. Uh, we may take on some of those and operate them. Um, so the future, you know, we're super flexible as to what we do. Uh, so we we may we may try to revive some startups. We may try to build some of our own, um, or you know, pursue more of the service model that we've done so far. Mm-hmm. Are you using the internet yourself to uh, find potential clients or entrepreneurs? We're using it to filter them. We actually have people send us an email saying, "Hey, can you help us? We have an application form that we force them to go through. That, you know, requires them to think through about eh, eight to ten questions." Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean we. I, and I say that at the same time, like, yeah, we use Twitter a lot. You know, we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn. So, um, and so the, if someone has a, what they think is a good idea, you have a way, a set of forms for them to fill out yes. to to reach you guys, and you guys can determine whether or not it's an idea worthy of discussion. Yeah, yeah, and ideas only to me, the ideas ideas are a dime a dozen. Um, really comes down to execution. So at the end of the day, you have to evaluate: Do I think this guy can make it happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, Ryan's agreed to take uh, callers. If you're listening and you want to ask Ryan a question, the number is 646-595-4916. And let's listen to a San LaRule. Let's go for San LaRule number 18. Hey, I'm Eddie Huff from Sandler Training, here to talk about rule number 18, don't paint seagulls in your prospect's picture. Have you ever jumped in with a great idea that killed your sale? Let me tell you a story, a story about Nancy. Nancy's a second grader in the public school system. She's just finished art class, and she's painted a pretty good picture. It's got a house and sun in it, but it's all over here on the left side. Nancy's art teacher comes by and says, oh, Nancy, that's a very nice picture. But, honey, you need something over here on the right side to balance it out. She picks up a paintbrush and paints a seagull over on the right side of the picture. Nancy's very upset. She goes home, 
That night at the dinner table, Nancy's very quiet, and she pulls out her picture, except it's all folded up into a small square. The dad unfolds it and says, Nancy, darling, that is a beautiful picture. Very well done. And I especially love the seagull. Well, Nancy bursts into tears, leaves the room. He finds out that the reason she's so upset is because she didn't like the seagull. You see, Nancy didn't put it there. Her teacher did. The point is, your prospect has a picture of their needs before you show up for the sales interview. If you start painting seagulls into your prospect's picture, they're going to become just as uncomfortable as Nancy. Every time you make a change to their picture, it leads to mistrust. It leads to rejection of your products and your services. Look, if their picture needs adjusting, instead of telling them or painting a seagull on their picture, let's do it indirectly. Let's help the prospect discover it on their own. Rule number 18, don't paint seagulls in your prospect's picture. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Ryan Walker from Differential. Ryan, you've been leading companies and, and departments and companies for years. Perhaps you could give our listeners a leadership tip. Hmm. Yeah, I could try to do that. <laughs> no, no, we have a saying in Sam, you know, there is no try. That's what Yoda said. It's either do or do not. There is no try. Yeah. I, I think the thing I would say is uh, to trust Trust your first impression of people um, that a lot of times um, you, know, you can be talked into giving somebody a, well, here's a great example. You're, you're thinking, I want to get rid of this employee. I'm, I've, I've never seen that turn around where you say, oh, let's give them a second chance. Let's give them a third chance. And it always ends badly. It should have ended when you had that first instinct. Uh, so once you, you know, basically once you make a decision about a person, um, you, Go ahead and act on that versus uh, delaying. I don't know how you feel about that, Mike, if you've had any experiences. <laughs> Unfortunately, quite a few. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, when you've made up your mind, uh, our, our Sandler philosophy is this, this employee is, is gone today or, or 10 minutes from now. Mm-hmm. Pack up your stuff and someone will escort you out. Yeah. Uh, much safer than the, the other alternatives. Yeah, and it's easier, too, when you're, you know, if you're, if you have a management team, though, and there's always one soft-hearted person there that sees something good in that person, they want to keep them around for a little while longer. And like I said, I've never seen that actually work out. Mm. We uh, we had a situation with a salesperson who was promoted to a sales manager in, in a large insurance company here in in town. He's he inventoried his salespeople, wanted to let one lady go, and he. Uh, gives her her notice, mm-hmm. and then turns it into HR. And HR said, hey, you didn't give her uh, warnings and a work plan. You can't let her go. It's going to take you three to six months to fire her. Oof. You know what happened? No, I wouldn't even guess. He turned in his resignation as no. a sales manager and said, you can keep the aggravation. <laughs> I'm going to be a salesman. Yeah. And he went backwards uh, because the environment there was not a successful environment mm-hmm. for uh, sales managers. Yeah. If someone's not uh, carrying their weight, they got to go. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a couple of different questions, Ryan. Okay. You had this company for seven months. Are are all of the uh, individuals? You said seven partners. Yes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. What happens if you get a, get a big project? Uh, would you hire employees who are not partners, or would that everyone continue to be a partner? Yeah, well, it's a I have to, a caveat to that is uh, the equity vests over a year. So people who are within the first year, um, technically not partners, they've earned equity that hasn't vested yet. Um, uh, yeah, so there, there's basically a one-year waiting list. And so if we were going to get rid of somebody, it would be smart to do that within that first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm certain that you have a vision for your company. Mm-hmm. I know you might not have a plan beyond two months, but a vision of where you want to be one year from now, three years from now, five years from now. Where do you see uh, your company differential? Yeah, well, I, we do have a very strong and specific vision. Um, <clears throat> so uh, part of it is uh, there are a lot of smart technical people in Cincinnati. A lot of them are locked up in safe jobs. Um, the and, and there hasn't been a lot of success in this, in terms of like big public exits of startups in Cincinnati to encourage them to take the risk of um, uh, joining a startup. So uh, we, we kind of view differential as a, a gateway drug to get these guys into, in a sense, our, working for differential is we're going to pay you about the same amount as you were working at, at the insurance company, but you're also going to get equity in startups that you're working on. So uh, that's a pretty compelling um, uh, message. Um, and it's not, and, and everybody knows, we all know how much we all make. Uh, we have transparency around salary. We have transparency about what it's going to take for you to get equity. Um, we have a peer review process for compensation adjustment. So we're trying to build sort of a utopian <laughs> work environment for developers. Um, and so, and not, and not just developers, uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from, but there's uh, there are marketing people, we call them hustlers, out mm-hmm. there that are um, in the startup scene, and as well as designers uh, that are interested in in this stuff. So at the end of the day, though, it's, it, you know, we, I keep using the term startups. Uh, it's really business, though. It's young businesses. Uh, well, I think there are a lot of visionaries in the startup world. Yeah. That see a problem, and from their background and experience, they've experienced the problem personally, and then they uh, come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, what's stronger in your company? Uh, your sales management team, your customer focus team, or your programming team? Yeah. Uh, well, we really don't have – that's the other thing is we have all, – we're all partners. We have no titles, and we have no specific uh, um, roles, per se. Um, everybody basically acts as if they're the CEO is the, is the theory. So, so just a, let's cut that part apart. <laughs> How do you do the accounting? Well, we do have one guy who does the accounting. So, yeah, it, it, no one's told no one's told him, "Hey, you've got to do the accounting." But he actually has an accounting background, so he gets to do that, and he he wants to do that for us. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty unique environment. There are other companies like this around the country. One's called Valve, it's a video game company, and there's another one called GitHub, which is another tech company. Uh, so we're 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 not completely trailblazing in this, but. Uh, you know, that makes that your question really hard to answer because I'm on the sales team. I'm on all, everybody's on all the teams, so technically, I guess we're all tied. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what are the top three things people in your organization would say about their sale, about the culture of the organization? Mm. Uh, I, I think there's two things: transparency and boldness. Uh, you know, it's one of the things I've been boldness. Boldness, yeah. Mm. So. So you could choose to take a very conservative path um, 
and say, like, for example, it would be very conservative of us to have an opportunity come at us and we say, let's just let's just propose we do straight um, uh, straight cash deal with them, you know, pay mm-hmm. us money for our hours. Right. That's the safest bet. Um, we're trying, you know, we're we're not all we're not a bunch of rich guys, you know. We're all just uh, working um, technologists. Well, man, I thought you were, they were all millionaires. Like no, you. not all millionaires. No, so we're all we're all just. Um, but you know, we basically created a situation where we all get to to play investor, which is really fun and awesome. Um, and we're we're not risking all of our capital on that. We're you know we our target is that you know maybe twenty to thirty percent of our um, uh, our potential revenue will go towards that risk category, um, but um, you know we're we are making bets and it's really fun and 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 we're making them boldly. You know where others might try to be a little bit careful. We're definitely going to make some mistakes, but we're you know we feel like um, you're going to find the next Facebook or yeah, Amazon. Well, maybe not that, but fortune favors the bold, so we're we're doing that and um, and we're doing it with a lot of transparency, not only internally but with our customers too. So we tell them. Exactly what we're thinking, and it's. Uh, I think that's a great uh, advantage we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, success usually uh, rides on a, an efficient business. Uh, usually, for growth, it, it, there are three components: uh, their strategy, people, and process. Mm-hmm. Which of those are strongest for you at Differential? I would say people. Right now, um, we really have no. We have no documented processes. Uh, we, we're experimenting with lots of different tools. Sure, you're agile. Yeah, we're <laughs> agile. Yeah, and each customer. Yeah, but yeah, process-wise, we, we were just talking about that today. We have to figure out a great process for deciding whether or not to do an equity investment. We don't have a process for that. So we have like four or five opportunities on the block right now. Where we're like, how do we decide which ones to do? How do we? And so we have to have these conversations around process. We know we're really young. Uh, yeah. So. so Good. Again, uh, Ryan, why don't you uh, tell people how they can get a hold of you after the show if they have any questions? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can email me at rye at ryewalker.com. Differential has a, a goofy URL, a tech URL. It's uh, differential.io, which is a kind of a new domain extension. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you could and you could always, if you're interested in uh, doing a startup, come visit us down at Centrifuge. Great. Ryan, thanks for being on the show with us today. Uh, I'm giving you a copy of Sandler's uh, book, The 49 uh, Sandler Rules. That's only 49 of 350 of them by Dave mm-hmm. Matson, our, our CEO. I like that. came out about uh, two years ago. It, it shot to the number one seller on Amazon in the category on the first day. We expect we rigged that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matson was very <laughs> extremely careful about having 17,000 book orders uh, in hand. And... Uh, only ship Amazon 10,000 copies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we expected it to stay number one for a couple of days. And actually, it stayed at number one for over three months, and then went to the Wall Street Journal. Wow. Uh, yeah, I totally missed it. Yeah. And there's a tra- Sandler training calendar in there, and we help everyone make an extra million dollars, so you <laughs> you have that in there. Uh, again, thanks for being with us here today, uh, Ryan. And uh, if anyone's got questions for Ryan, he's told you how to get a hold of them. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth 
at rothconsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.